Distraction and procrastination are related and different. Procrastination is not a good one. Distraction can be. Distraction can be helpful. You can use distraction if you hold a question to be solved and don't sit and think and try to solve it, but go do something else and go, you know, take a walk or go for a swim. You'll find that it changes. It changes. And the distraction of when you go for a walk and seeing, oh, look at that tree over there. Look at those birds. Or, whoa, that car came kind of close to me. All of those things, that that living in the world, it's a distraction that's using some part of your brain. Some part of your brain is occupied with, do I turn left or do I turn right? That's the voice of iconic music legend Rick Rubin. He's going to give us insights around creativity being all around us. We just have to see it. And more importantly, we need to know how to harness the power of it. That and much, much more is ahead on today's Super U Podcast. That's one small step for man. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. We choose to go to the moon, not because they are easy, but because they I are I have hard. a dream. You can't handle the truth. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Super, 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 super. Super you. Today we're going to get music and business insights from music producing legend Rick Rubin. I'm your host, Eric Quammen. A lot of you know me as Equalman. Thank you for joining us for today's Super You podcast, a podcast that is designed to unlock and unleash the superpower that's within all of us. And Rick Rubin knows how to do exactly that. He's the co-founder of the legendary Def Jam label and was one of the key figures behind the commercial and artistic rise of hip-hop called Rap Before, so then into hip-hop, leading his signature rap metal style to many of the biggest records of the pre-gangster era. It all started in 1984 when he's attending New York University when he and Russell Simmons founded Def Jam in Rubin's dorm room. Rap broke worldwide in 1986 as a result of two landmark LPs, uh, the Beastie Boys' License to Ill and Run DMC's Raising Hell, both of which you may know Rubin produced. Now a year later, he also helmed Yo! Bum Rush the Show. That was a debut record from arguably the most pivotal act in hip-hop history, the renowned Public Enemy. The company's early signings indulged Rubin's tastes, ranging from longtime favorite Slayer to shock comic Andrew Dice Clay to the controversial gangster rapsters, the Ghetto Boys. Even though he had labels like Slayer, he never really drifted far from his roots, and he helmed LL Cool J's Walkin' with a Panther, and even directed the Run DMC movie, which you might remember, Tougher Than Leather. In 1991, Deaf American scored one of the biggest hits yet with Sir Mix-A-Lot's Baby Got Back. Just a side note, that is my younger brother's karaoke song, Baby Got Back. Probably not anymore, but when he was in college, that was his, his song with all the visuals. That same year, Ruben also produced the Red Hot Chili Peppers breakthrough effort, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. And then in 94, Ruben produced Johnny Cash's comeback effort. And then also, he helmed Tom Petty's Wildflowers. So without further ado, here are some legendary insights from Rick Rubin.
You know, the Stoics say that ego is the enemy, and it's also a great book by fellow Austinite, Ryan Holiday, by the way. So go go read that again, Ryan Holiday, Ego is the Enemy. It's one of uh, Michael Phelps' favorite books as well. In the music business, I have to imagine that it's hard to keep the ego in check. How does one do that? Since every project I work on is so different, and since on a daily basis, I see something work that I don't understand, I could never have that uh, feeling of it being about me. I know it's not about me because I do it all the time and I see I'm, I'm happy to be there. I'm happy to witness it and experience it. I'm happy when a, a, a possible solution occurs that works, but I don't, I don't feel like that has anything to do with me. And I'm just as happy if an, if a better solution occurs to someone else in the room, as long as the project gets better, I don't care. I, I just want, there's okay. no ego in it because we're all on this, we're all on a team working together for this thing, whatever it is, to be the best it could be. So there's no room for anyone to have any part of it be theirs. It's, it's none of ours, really. Obviously, music is one of the arts, takes a lot of creativity, a lot of experimentation. How important is it for businesses to riff or experiment uh, just like musicians do? How important is it for business people to kind of steal from what musicians have always known? Let's say I was producing your new record and you played me something and I had some thoughts about it. It wouldn't be so helpful for me to tell you what those were. It'd be better for us to wait till we were in a place where we could try things and see where it goes. Mm -hmm. um, so the first thing is, I wouldn't rely on language to do it. It would be more of a making a suggestion of something that's actionable, we try it, and then we have more data. And either we're moving in a good direction or we're moving away from it, we're moving towards it or away from it, and we never know. And so it's always an experiment. And maybe a simple way to talk about it would be like, um, if I gave you two dishes of food and ask you to taste them and tell me which one you like better. It's pretty, usually it's pretty straightforward. You know, when you have two choices, which you like better. And I think most creativity can be boiled down to that. That's very different than, I wonder how this is gonna perform on certain social media platforms. That's different than mm -hmm. what is it, when I'm tasting these two things, which is the one I wanna finish eating. And, and if I were to say, hmm, I like this one better, but it needs a little salt, and then put a little salt on it, it's like, hmm, maybe I put too much salt. And, you'll, and you know, and you taste it, it's like, it's, it's that simple. Yeah, that sounds simple, but it's not always easy uh, when we're in the moment. So definitely some things that, that are simple, they're not always easy. And music, in my mind, is similar to books. So I write books in that it's a, a blank page. So the opportunities are somewhat limitless which can be challenging in itself, not only getting started, but also how do you have the confidence? You need to have the confidence to know that what I put on this page or that the music that I produce or write or sing is going to move someone or possibly move an entire market. Talk to us about having that confidence. Because otherwise, if there's an infinite number of choices, anything can be anything. You know, it's like it's, it's um, sometimes more choices is not better. So limiting your palate to something manageable 
forces you to solve problems in a different way. Now in our, um, in our digital age, um, music wise, you can make anything, um, digitally. There's no, like in, in, there was a time when if you didn't have a guitar in the studio, you couldn't record guitar. Or if you didn't, if you couldn't hire an orchestra, there couldn't be orchestra on your recording. Now you can just call any of those things up. So there's infinite choices and infinite choices don't necessarily lead to better, uh, better compositions or better final, uh, final works. Understanding how, how you feel in the face of other voices without second guessing yourself is probably the single most important, um, thing to practice as an artist or skill set to develop as an artist is to know how you feel and own your feelings. And the, and the key to that is not, I know, so I know what's right for you. It doesn't work that way. It's just, I know for me. And the reason I chose to be an artist is to demonstrate, this is how I see it. If I'm, if I'm undermining my taste for some commercial idea or uh, it, it defeats the whole purpose of doing this. This is not, that's not what this process is about. This process is I'm doing me and I'm showing you who I am and you can like it or not, but either way, this is still how I see it. Well, well, timing is everything. You know, they say in life that timing is everything. Uh, we all, most of us have incredible ideas. The key is knowing which one to pick and getting the timing right. Because so many of us have like, oh, that guy stole my idea. That girl stole my idea. So I'm guessing this is true in music as well. With the, with the launch of rap, you know, think about it. It was the right idea at the right time. The world was ready for it. Time means everything. Rap. It was the right hip hop. Right idea at the right time. When we have an idea and we don't execute it, it's not a new, if you have a good novel idea, you're excited about it, but you don't act on it. It is not unusual for, you know, six months later to see it come out in the world by someone else. And it's not because they read your mind or they read your diary of the idea that you wanted to do. It's because it was time for that thing to happen. And the reason you wanted to do it was the same reason that the other person wanted to do it. It was the, the culture set the stage for this to happen. And whichever of us have the best antenna can pick up on what it's time for. And I'll say, I didn't know this. I still don't know this, but it has turned out <laughs> that the reason that the things that I've made have had uh, found their way into the world and met with interest is only because it was the right time for those things to happen. Hmm. But I didn't act on the feeling thinking now is the time to do this. I acted on it. It's like, now this is the time for me. I think that's I think that's realistic. I think that's realistic. And it's not intellectual. It's not based on looking at any charts or, or any analysis. It's it's only based on a feeling in me of what are the things that make me lean forward? What are the things that make me laugh? What are the things that make me excited? What do I find beautiful today that I didn't notice yesterday? What are those things? Now, I've written a book. It's called The Focus Project. Obviously, it's on focus. How do we focus in this unfocused world? The, the not-so-simple art of doing less, comma, better. 
Walk us through your thoughts on how distractions can actually be a good thing. Now, in the book, I talk about how do we limit distractions most of the time. But walk us through how distractions can actually be a good thing, but there is a distinctive difference between distractions and procrastination. Distraction and procrastination are related and different. Mm -hmm. Procrastination is not a good one. Distraction can be. Distraction can be helpful. You can use distraction if you hold a question to be solved and don't sit and think and try to solve it, but go do something else and go, you know, take a walk or go for a swim. You'll find that it changes. It changes. And the distraction of when you go for a walk and seeing, oh, look at that tree over there. Look at those birds. Or, whoa, that car came kind of close to me. All of those things, that that living in the world even though it's not um, challenging in any real way, it's a distraction that's using some part of your brain. Some part of your brain is occupied with, do I turn left or do I turn right? Oh, look at that thing over there. Oh, is it going to rain? These other things are happening. That's different than just sitting in a room looking at your laptop. Just those outside cues can give you a way in to solve a problem that you wouldn't solve if you were sitting and working on it. All right, now double-clicking on this to go a little bit deeper. When we are distracted, this may sound like an oxymoron, but when we're distracted, how do we look so we're kind of letting our mind go, we're kind of relaxed, we're in that state to when good ideas come. But while we allow for this distraction, how do we also look for signs or creative ideas from the world around us? It's not uncommon when I'm out and about to have someone recommend something that they think I'll like, and when they recommend it to me, I listen, and it sounds like a terrible thing, something that I don't like, the, the kind of thing I don't like, whatever it is. An example would be, it's not a real example, I'm, hypothetical example is, oh, you love this new horror movie. I don't like horror movies. There's no chance I'm going to watch a horror movie. That wouldn't work. If three different people who don't know each other all suggest to me to watch that horror movie, I will watch that horror movie, even though I know it's something I don't like. And the reason is, the universe really wants me to be aware of this. Mm -hmm. People are telling me. Why are people telling me? Mm -hmm. This is not for me. So that's an example of, again, paying attention to the signs around you. If several of your friends tell you the same thing that you initially discounted, it might be worth a look. Now, one of the top questions we get from our listeners, and, and again, for those that want to send in something to the show, it's equalman at equalman.com. Again, equalman at equalman.com. But one of the top questions we receive is, should my job also be my passion? So where in your mind is the intersection of job, passion, and purpose? Where, you know, how do those align, job, passion, and purpose, if they align at all? Maybe your purpose in life isn't related to your job. Mm. Maybe your job is your job and the job is the thing that supports you. And then the rest of your waking hours are devoted to your purpose, mm. whatever that is. Mm. Yeah, and, and it's beautiful when it happens, mm. but it doesn't always happen and it's out of our control also. Yeah. We can decide, I would say, if you need to have a job to support yourself, that's great. That's a noble thing to do and follow your dreams. But I'm, I'm not saying they're one thing. Don't let following your dreams undermine your ability to support yourself. 
it could do, it could actually do the opposite. If you decide I want to be a comedian and I'm putting all my eggs in the comedian basket and I'm going to be a comedian, the pressure of having to support, support yourself will change you as a comedian, not for the better. You, you want the stability of being able to take care of yourself in the world to be free to do whatever your passion is, yeah. whatever it is, fishing. I've never heard it stated that way, but I love that insight because the pressure to support yourself from your passion can be negative or debilitating. Again, the pressure to support yourself from your passion can be negative or debilitating. It actually become, as your example, is you become a worse comedian because you have all this pressure to make the living from being a comedian. Uh, that's a good way to look at it, that you should sometimes follow your, you should always follow your passion, but you may need to do some other things that provide you the stability to be your best at said passion. So it might be that you, actually have another job that's really just a job to live to take care of that part of the rent of the bills that you have so you don't have to worry about that so you can actually write freer or be good at comedy so i love the way that you put that the pressure to support yourself from your passion can be negative or debilitating so i hope you guys got a lot out of this super you podcast i certainly did with rick rubin and again feel free to send those emails at equalman at equalman.com a huge thanks, as always, to the people who put this show together. That's Maritza Gutierrez, Kelsey Gomez, and also Jake Brin. Thank you to you, the listeners, for continuing to tune in. And remember, this podcast is all about giving you the courage to wear the cape. We're all superheroes just about having that courage to wear the cape. And until next time, this is Equal Man reminding all of us it's not what we take from the world. It is what we leave behind. Seven. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Super, 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 you. 